You're not the bad guys. We are. Savage. Hope we're having a good week. We are down to how many hours until that game? This is I'm recording this at half nine, so uh, it will be later on this evening when Monster will be playing Zebra in Cork in the United Rugby Championship. It is match round number eleven. So we're past the midway point of the regular season. Monster are currently sitting in ninth. A regular win, four points, will put us on. 33, which at the moment would put us into fifth. A bonus point win would put us into, uh, well, it would actually keep us in in fourth, actually. So uh, if you have, or would put us into fourth, that's just based on Monster winning and no other games being played. It is incredibly tight in the United Rugby Championship at the moment. Uh, Leinster are ahead by three points of Glasgow. Um, Vodacom Bulls are one point behind Glasgow. And then after that, there is between third and ninth, there is seven points. Um, no, rather, actually, there's six points, which is two bonus point wins or two regular wins. So it's very, very tight. One win here, one loss there, depending on how it goes for everybody from, we'll say, third down. It can mean an awful lot of movement. Uh, for Munster, as it was against the, the Scarlets, we're off the back of a fairly difficult run over, we'll say, December uh, to the end of January after a fairly difficult first half of the season uh, against the Scarlets last time out. Munster didn't play great, but scored a few tries to the two points difference on the board. Uh, but mainly five match points were very, very important. At this point of the season, um, results get a little bit unpredictable, right? When you are missing a whole ton of test players, depending on your own schedule, you can end up losing games that you typically would win or that you would expect to win more often than not. A good example of that would be Leinster playing Cardiff this week. Cardiff, I think, are a really good side. Um, playing them in Cardiff, which is what Leinster are doing, is going to be difficult. That is not an easy game. Um, normally, you would expect Leinster to win that game nine times out of ten, maybe 19 times out of 20, maybe. But with the number of guys that they're missing, all of a sudden, I think that becomes a more difficult game. That's the danger of these um, of these uh, test window games, especially if you're you know, a, a bulk supplier to your national side, like we'd say Glasgow are, like Leinster are, um, and so on and so forth. Um, so again, look, we're just looking at the games around us at the moment. That'll be of interest. Edinburgh versus Ospreys is happening tonight as well. That's of massive interest to Munster. Um, whoever wins that is going to shoot you know, uh, before a game is played on Saturday, um, into the top four. Uh, Ospreys have been really good, but away from home against Edinburgh, that's a tricky enough game. Edinburgh have got a lot of their test guys back. They should be looking to win that. They're actually playing pretty well. They have three wins in their last five, um, and that will give you just an idea as to just how much movement is possible 
this weekend. Bulls and Stormers is another incredibly tough game to call and will have massive implications for what happens ahead of us. But when there are teams ahead of us playing, if only one of them can win or or draw, which again would be the ideal, um, if you can um, separate out the losing teams, you can start overtaking them. Like for example, if Ospreys were to lose, Munster were to win, we jump over them. If Ulster, who are playing the Dragons, realistically they should be beating the Dragons. Um, but if they were to lose it, we overtake them. Uh, if the Stormers were to lose, if we win, we could overtake them. And so on and so forth. Benetton are playing Glasgow at home. It's possible that if we have a bonus point win, we could overtake them as well. Now, the teams who win will shoot ahead of us because they're ahead of us already. But when the teams ahead of us are playing, that's an opportunity for Munster to build back momentum. And you, the thing is, you have to win. Like, you have to get your wins to get that momentum. But that happened against the Scarlets. And again, look, you look at our run in the URC in the last couple of, um, we'll say the last five games, we have two wins in the last five games. This is a massive opportunity for Munster to start just building some, some uh, like, momentum back. In the last five games, we're ranked 10th. Right, the Bulls are, are currently ranked first. If you look at the last five games only, they have twenty points in the last five games. We need to be pulling off a serious, uh, a similar level of performance over this next block of four games. I think I spoke about that in the um, in the last, uh, well, in, before the Scarlets, but it's 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 still true. It isn't getting any less true. If you look at round twelve, we're away to the Ospreys. That's a difficult enough game as well. If we can get a win there. All of a sudden, you look at round 13, which is on the 30th of March. We're at home to Cardiff. That's a game that, again, Munster would fancy winning at home against Cardiff. You put yourself into a great position. Now, on the round 14 and 15, we're touring South Africa. We could be in South Africa for a bit, actually, if we win our games in Europe as well. But before we go there, four wins, you know, a bonus point here or there. That's exactly what would get Munster right back to where we want to be and get that momentum in the back half of the season, which will put us where we want to be. Um, let's just have a quick look at Zebra's team as they go to uh, Cork tonight uh, at fullback. And in the back three, they have Geronimo, uh, Geronimo uh, Prisciantelli. Uh, they have Scott Gregory and uh, Simone Gessie. Um, Gessie is a, a guy, he's got a bit of hype around him at the moment. He's an incredibly dangerous winger. He's... Not the biggest guy in the world, but he's elusive, agile, incredibly quick, great hands. He's a, a kind of a, one of those new generation of Italian players who have all of the skills, all of the, the, the physical traits to be top players. And it's kind of the, the, the youth development that they've been doing over the last, you know, it's coming up on eight years now, are producing really good players who are coming out, not box, you know, like not, not, not ready to go straight away. But when they come out of the box, they're guys who are more than capable of, of, you know, having top level performances, slotting in at test level and looking, you know, pretty, pretty at home at that level. Um, and Zebra also have a couple of good non-Italian qualified guys who I think may end up being Italian qualified, like Scott Gregory, for example. Uh, he joined them from, well, from the Highlanders, um, you know, last uh, in, in, in the offseason. Midfielder typically, but can play in the wing. Um, again, quality player in midfield. They have um, Demiano Mazza and uh, Luca Morisi. Luca Morisi is pushing on a little bit now, but you look at uh, Demiano Mazza, that's a guy who, again, he reminds me a little bit of, of Dan Kelly from Leinster, or uh, Leicester, rather. Uh, he's got that 
good handling. And we look at uh, Priscianteli. That's a guy as well who will give you um, kind of second playmaker style um, skill set. As uh, halfback, they have Alessandro Fusco and Tiff Eden, which is a real person's name. Um, again, he is uh, born in England. He's moved over to Zebre from Bristol Bears. Um, again, I think he is Italian qualified. Um, but you look at, first of all, that's a name of a guy you'd expect to see in Saltburn. But um, he's actually been playing pretty well this season. And if you look at Zebre as a whole this season, the results have been okay. Like they're ranked at the moment, they're 13th, they what, four spots behind um, Munster. They've got one win all season, but they've been picking up a good number of bonus points as they've been going along. Uh, seven in total, actually, which is really good going. If you look at um, Glasgow Warriors have eight, which is the most amount of bonus points in the league. Um, we're on seven as well. You know, we, had, we lost a number of tight games, so you get losing bonus points for that. But Zebre have seven as well. So that's the main reason why they're slightly cut off. You know, there's a, a, bit, a bit of a gap between 12th and 13th, to be fair. Um, from 12th on up is where things start to get quite tight. But Zebra, I think I had to, <laughs> a, a, like a, a thing with this on the, the guys on Provincial State of Mind. But like Zebra are better than what you think. I know everybody look, thinks of Zebra and thinks, look, these guys are, are jokers. They're going to get absolutely hammered or whatever else. And look, they have lost a fair number of games, to be fair. But we look at their last couple of fixtures, like we look in uh, in round 10. Um, they lost uh, 24 points to 19 to, to Edinburgh at home, like in, uh, in, in Parma, which like again, like that's a, a pretty good result. Like they were like they won the first half in that game. Like Edinburgh came back and, you know, blew them away in the second. Well, not blew them away. It was like three tries that um, Edinburgh scored in the second half that kind of pushed them away. But like Zebra were right in there. And we go back to, to round nine. Uh, they were beaten fairly badly by, by Benetton. And, and they had a bit of a bad run over, over Christmas there where they lost home away to Benetton. But like over the season so far, like, you know, the bar the, the games in South Africa, which everybody gets beaten fairly heavily, to be fair, like they got hammered by the Lions. But like for the most part, they like they drew with Cardiff in Parma. Um, like they held out there for that for that draw. If you look at like they beat the Sharks as well, that's their that's their one win. Now to be fair, the Sharks are dire, but like is in Zebra still beat them. Um, and if we look back against the like the, they were beaten heavily by by the Bulls, of course, um, at home. But this is not a team who are like tanking in the same way that um, that the the Sharks are. Like if you look at at Zebra, like they what was that score against? I remember at the start round two was it? Yeah, they only just lost by three points. Uh, against the Ospreys so like they, they, like that was 34-31 that finished uh, they won the first half 19 points to 17 so like again go back to the first game of the season Zebra and Ulster like Zebra should have won that game so look they've lost a lot of games but they've got a lot of losing bonus points they've got a few try bonus points as well they're a bit better than what it might appear on the on the tin with them if that makes sense uh, in the pack, they have Luca Rizzoli, Luca Bigi, and Mohamed Hassa in the front row. Hassa is uh, fairly inexperienced. He's come up through their through their academy. Uh, he has played with uh, Petrarca Padova, and he's also got a load of uh, Italian under-20 caps as well. He's building into his career. It'll be fairly important for the likes of Josh Witcherly to impose himself on that guy 
uh, pretty early. Um, Luca Rizzoli, again, he's not massively experienced either, but on the bench, they have Gianpetro Ribaldi, uh, Samuel uh, Tadai, and Riccardo Genovese. Again, a lot of their top players would be away with Italy at the moment, but that's, again, fairly experienced. Um, they've got a good mix there. Luca Bigi, obviously, is the most experienced guy in that in that unit. In the second row, they have Leonard Krumov and David Cici. Um, size and weight in their second row. Like, that is not a small second row by any means. And if we start looking at how they've built out their back five, there's lots of size, there's lots of power, there's lots of explosivity there as well. So, Monster have to put these guys down pretty early, in, in my opinion. Because you look at the likes of Giacomo Ferrari, kind of a combo flanker style guy, but quite explosive in the carry. Uh, they have uh, Bautista Stavile, who's kind of a small forward build player, with uh, Giovanni Licata, who's a big line-out target for them, 6'5", 117 kg, big physical um, runner of the ball as well. Very important for them in the tight exchanges on both sides of the ball. Um, he's going to play a large part in their in their lineout, which I think they will fancy having a right crack off Munster set piece there as well. On the bench, uh, they have Dylan DeLeo, who is a, a South African young fella who's joined Zebra this season. Davide Ruggeri, um, Tomas Dominguez, Jacopo Trula, and uh, Josh Kaifa. So again, you look at, at uh, Trulia, for example, that's a guy who's got... A fair bit of experience. He's a, a fullback. He's, I think he's actually got a, a number of Italian caps, actually. Well, I think he has eight. I'm looking here. He does have eight. <laughs> um, but you look at some of the guys that they're missing. Danilo Fischetti. Uh, they're missing Rimbelli. They're missing uh, Manfredi, Canali, uh, Zambonin. They're missing the likes of Jake Pred- Well, Jake Predri's, um there's rumors are that he's going to retire. They're missing the likes of uh, Gonzalo Garcia. But like again, look, you, you look at Alessandro Fusco. At, at nine for them he's capped like that like that's a like he's got 17 italian caps so it's a look it's a game monster i, I expect monster to win but zebra have come to play obviously and we've seen them this season that they are more than capable of getting offloads away they're more than capable of playing a fairly high pace standard or a high pace uh, uh rugby like They've scored eight tries this year. Or sorry, they're eight ranked for the number of tries they scored. 28 tries total. But when you consider as well that like, they're 16 for meters gained, which will just give you an idea as to how teams are approaching them. That's a pretty good result for the number of clean breaks they have, which is also um, 15th in the league with 45. So they're outscoring a lot of their metrics, if that makes sense. Um, but I, I do think as well that... You know, you would expect... Oh, a weird thing with Zebra. They have a huge amount of tries coming from kicks directly. So look for the likes of Tiff Eden kicking over at Gessie or at Scott Gregory or at uh, Priscientelli um, to try and get them over on crossfield kicks. That's something to look out for with Zebra because they have a, an outsized number of, of uh, tries directly scored from kicks in their, um, in their arsenal. Now... They are middle of the pack when it comes to their kicking volume and kicking distance. You would expect them to kick, not kick the leather off the ball necessarily, but you would expect them to play a relatively conservative game, at least early on. Um, one of the issues I think that have that has actually really plagued Italian rugby in the last number of years is that pragmatically, it makes sense for Italian rugby teams to be high volume kicking team uh, teams. The reason why I think that they haven't been high volume kicking teams is in part because 
when they do that, they end up getting exposed because they can't defend at the level that they need to to make that amount of kicking work. This is the thing I've seen because I've seen criticism over Italy need to kick more and stuff like that. Part of the reason why Italy have been, um, you know, traditionally, I mean, in the last couple of years when it would make sense to think that, well, they're not going to be a heavy volume kicking team um, when they haven't been, when they've actually played on-ball rugby, essentially, uh, certainly under, under Crowley, is in part because they don't trust their defence. They don't trust their defence to be as accurate and as basically that you need to be a really good counter-transition defensive team, and they aren't. Um, but Zebre are. Zebre are a, a team who will kick, like you're just looking at their last couple of games from a number perspective, uh, at home to Edinburgh. They had a kick-to-pass ratio of 3.8 passes for every one kick, which again is in that lower counter-transition range. They, they, they backed themselves to do that. Um, away to Benetton, they were uh, 4.3 passes for every one kick. Again, a fairly low ratio there. At home to Benetton in, the last, uh, in, in their last run, it was 4.8 passes for every one kick. So Benetton end up making, and, and you know they will kick the ball quite a bit with the idea that they want to defend. And like if you look at their ranking from a defensive perspective, they're currently ranked fourth overall for defense in the, um, in the United Rugby Championship because they have uh, their fifth for tackles made. Now, the tackle success rate is, is 14, but that doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, they have um, like issues that undermine them, but they're kicking the ball a lot. They will kick it relatively far uh, because they're they're ranked eighth for volume and distance so they're ranked pretty much the same for both so they're not outsized we'll say they don't kick at an off ball level because if you look at teams who kick maybe you know they're maybe first um for kicking and then first for distance that's basically playing off ball rugby uh zebra play a slightly pulled back version of that because their their kicking volume matches their kicking distance like for example if you're a team who kicks quite a bit, but your kicking distance is very low, that shows a team who want to kick short because they want to play on-ball rugby. If you're looking at the teams who are higher up or who are closely ranked in the top 10 or certainly on the halfway point, like Zebra, I think a lot of their 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 issues here is the, the, the possession that they have, that if they had more sustained possession, they would kick more and kick further. But this is kind of where we're at they are 15th in the league for turnovers that they've conceded themselves and they have only won 53 turnovers all season in the United Rugby Championship, which would rank them 14th. So the problem for Zebra is, this is why they are where they are in the table, kind of cut off in that little group below 12th, is that they kick the ball quite a bit, relatively more than what you would expect from um, an Italian team traditionally. They put in a lot of tackles, they have no problem missing tackles because they have the, the, like they're, they're they're ranked second in the United Rugby Championship for uh, tackles missed. That to me shows a team who was not afraid to tackle very very aggressively, play with a lot of line speed. So when you're looking at the fact that they have those stats, but they're not winning turnovers, and they're also losing the ball a lot themselves, that means that they're not. If they can turn those around they'll be a much better team. But that's undermining them at the moment. They're making too many mistakes in possession themselves, which undermines their defensive effort. 
and they're not winning enough turnovers on defense, which means that they end up defending for maybe a little bit too long or not getting the impact that they want to. Because there's no problem defending. You just have to be able to impact the opposition so that you're getting the ball back. That's the whole point of defending. Um, so they are quite low ranked on that. Munster, for example, are ranked fourth in the uh, in, in the league. 66 turn- turnovers won while having a really low number of tackles made, which means that we are not kicking the ball as often as other teams, which means we are defending less, but we are winning more turnovers off the back of that, which is why like Munster are, I think, a little bit undervalued at the moment in our position in the table. But that's why our Munster's defence, I, I think, is one of the best in the league, if not the best, is because of how many turnovers we're making while also not defending that often, which showed to me a pretty high-quality defence. So looking at Zebra, I would expect them in this game, especially on the on the, the flat track, they're going to look for transitions, If especially if you look at their, uh, their back three. You know, you want Matza... You want Gessie, you want uh, Prisciantelli, you want these guys getting open on transition and the likes of uh, Tiff Eden looking to find to find these guys with angled kicks over the top, angled little grubbers through for the likes of Gessie to chase after with that bit of extra bounce and roll you get on a, um, on a 4G pitch. So that's what they're going to be looking to do. Problem is, from a Munster perspective, is that if we are maybe a little bit too conservative with our own kicking and our own handling we allow them into the game when you're playing a team who like to play with the the volume of kicking per possession that Zebra do I think you want to really hang on to your own ball and make them work for it we've seen here that like that they aren't very good at winning turnovers so that to me if you're an on-ball team like Munster are that says let's play ball with these guys like let's take them through the phases let's see if we can buy a few mistakes from these guys and put like i said put them away early you don't necessarily want to be chasing your fourth try with 10 minutes to go against this zebra team not because i think that like they like they're they're going to put a bonus point win on monster in this game look anything is possible of course but i just feel that for this team's i suppose comfort you want to try and put them away early um because again i just feel that against scarlets we labored for a little bit and again you would expect a drop off from zebra as they you know uh, go to their bench as well but they have to be losing by that point we can't have them you know with with belief that they could pick up an away win against monster um as this game gets towards 55 60 minutes when we are also transitioning to our bench as well um, so yeah, overall, I would expect Munster to put away that 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 Zebra team for sure, but they will need putting away if that makes sense. That brings us to the Munster selection for this game, which when I put it up, had quite a few people excited. Um, again, look, you've got some guys who are returning from injury and uh, getting getting runouts. Uh, unfortunately, Joey Carberry has a knock for this game. Um, he picked it up during training. Not expected to be serious, based on what I've heard. But it is a shame to see him miss out on this because these are the kind of games where you kind of want Joey to be, you know, showing out, if that makes sense. Uh, but it's a really good selection nonetheless. Um, and again, we just look at the go back from the back three and, and work our way forward. At fullback, Mike Haley uh, with Sean O'Brien and Shane Daly in the back three as well. Shane McCarthy picked up an elbow injury, so he isn't available for this one. Um, Mike Haley had a really good game last week uh, against Harlequins, which was 
such a fun game to watch. There was so much nice rugby in that game from Munster. And like not just nice for the sake of it, really effective attacking rugby um, that showcased and, and utilized actually some of uh, the unique skills that Tony Butler has at 10, which I think is really interesting. Um, it was a really good performance. And I think that Mike Haley coming back from injury is brilliant. I think he is our, our first choice fullback as of now. Um, his work at the breakdown, his aerial work, his defensive coverage, his growth as a, an attacking player is vital um, to what this monster team does at their very best. Um, last year, he was vital uh, in leading Munster to that um, URC win. He was, again, just really, really good in all those games. He's big, he's physical, he's brave as fuck, really good defender, um, a really good attacking player as well. And after the surgery he's had, which took six months there or thereabouts, expect to see a bit more agility, a bit more acceleration from Mike Haley as he gets back up to speed. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see how he goes in this game. But just on the face of it, seems to be a really just pick and forget guy at fullback offers you so much of what makes this monster team work and he's improving all the time and as i asked him in the the press conference this week um about what he is you know what he sees the role of a fullback as there is a slight change on last season and um, i think he we would expect to see him show up more as a second passer where he won't necessarily be attacking on the edges but he will be the guy who will take a pass through a screen from maybe Tony Butler or maybe from the likes of RG Snayman. And then he can start showing off his passing uh, skills on the run. That's going to be really interesting to see how he goes. Sean O'Brien has had a, not a, I won't say a weird season because he's actually been really good, um, but he is predominantly a midfielder, right? Um, so the fact that he has been mainly selected on the wing is in part because our you know, our number one pairing there is Antoine Frisch and Alex Nankivell, and they thankfully have been pretty available for the most part. Uh, Sean O'Brien has found a lot of coverage on both wing spots, um, and he has a lot of the qualities you, you, that, that you would want there. He is quick, he's strong, he's a decent kicker of the ball as well, good handling, good offensive breakdown too. So it kind of works. Like, he doesn't necessarily have to be, um, he's not necessarily the quickest guy that we have out there, but... He's, again, a, a guy who was offered an awful lot this season and an awful lot of coverage. And that's exactly what you want from players to come in and just show how useful they can be. He has done that already for sure. Shane Daly has had another very good season. He is, at this stage, I think, a really, a guy who will give you a lot at the 11 jersey, where it's a kind of an inside winger position, where you'll see him running in field uh, as, a, as a handling option. He also, in the last couple of weeks, I won't say weeks, last couple of months, seems a little bit quicker. He seems a little bit stronger in contact as well. Um, and, and that's obviously been a big bonus. Um, so that's interesting to see how, how, how he's um, added that area to his game. I do feel that that passing and his kind of his accuracy on short passes on the move is something that needs a bit of work. But he's had a good season. I think he as well, he shows that as a, a breakdown player, he can cover the fullback role as it currently stands as well. Um, and that's valuable and I think when he's been at fullback he's been very very good um, I think either Mike Haley or Shane Daly at fullback offers us a lot but I think with Mike Haley and Shane Daly in the same team we need to see some fireworks from Sean O'Brien or from Antoine Frisch or from Alex Nankivell 
because again with Alex Nankivell and, and both Frisch and Nankivell are playing in this game Nankivell at times will show up a lot on the wing so like we need in this offensive rock work system somebody who can advance the ball on the, the wing for Munster because we're very good at retaining the ball across the middle of the field but we need firepower on the edges uh, to basically because if we're going to retain the ball across uh, a flat pod of three and an arrow pod uh, of three the flat pod is um uh, the one that's off nine the arrow pod is off um off 10 no actually it's reverse arrow pod is off nine flat pod is off uh, 10 if you're going to have that that gives you ball retention right because you've got two clearing forwards on any option you take in the forwards in between the 15 meter lines so retaining the ball is fine but you've got to force compressions right i think what monster are doing is we're trying to lock down the, the guys we have for forcing compressions in the middle of the field. We have a lot of guys who can do that. We've been working on getting fellas who can force compression on the edges. That's Tom O'Hearn. I expect to see him on the edge in this game. Uh, I think we, we should expect to see Ruan Quinn there as well. They're a really good start. Having guys in those edge spaces, that gives you... It basically gives you something to drag the opposition midfield and edge defence out to the five meter tram line where you want them that creates space in the three quarters where Munster look to try to get Mike Haley Shane Daly Sean O'Brien Antoine Frisch Alex Dankeville into that spacing and try to just pull apart Zebra from there but we're trying to get guys who can give us that ability to force edge compressions we have a lot of guys who actually help us retain the ball quite well in the middle of the field I'll get to them in a minute but all that helps the likes of Tony Butler and Craig Casey who started half back here to play at an incredibly high pace. Um, Tony Butler, for me, is probably the fastest 10 in Ireland at the moment. I think he's faster than Jack Crowley. I think he's faster than Jake Flannery. I think he is more explosive and more agile. From a game sense perspective, he's obviously still growing as a player. But watching him against Harlequins last week, he seemed to be playing a step ahead from a pace perspective of a lot of guys who were around him and he was running these deep loop routes that only a guy who is as fast as a winger would be able to do and he is ridiculously quick and with the pace that we know Craig Casey can play at and the accuracy that he can play at as well we have the potential here to release Tony Butler not just as a guy for facilitating passes in amongst the pods but if we can unhinge him from 10 which is, is a vital part of what monster do uh with, with their 10s to have him attacking that three-quarter space that's where you'll see tony butler tearing guys up we've already seen him do that in musgrave park this season where he had uh was it against i was actually at that game i think no I, I wasn't at that game i was watching it on tv it was against glasgow he caught them up on the outside and he can do that against zebra as well we can force that compression basically tony butler attacking Luca Morisi this is the kind of spacing this is the kind of of, of of approach that we want and Butler has the pace to do that and in Craig Casey we have one of the most accurate scrum halves in the game uh, in Europe at the moment and you might think oh that's a bit high praise Craig Casey is a high praise guy he is a fella with the accuracy and pace that he plays at I think is top class and when you see him in a game like this he will bring desire, he will bring pace, he will bring accuracy, 
He will bring leadership. He won't be slouching his way through this game. And I think the mixture of Tony Butler with that midfield gives a lot of options for Munster to do. Because again, I saw some plays against Harlequins that used Tony Butler in this kind of loop route that it seems only he can run because he's just so incredibly quick and agile. And it'll be really interesting to see how he matches up in this game, especially if Munster have a lot of possession. That's going to be really, really interesting. Munster gone for a 5-3 split in the bench, by the way. Ethan Coughlin, Rory Scannell, and Ben O'Connor, who seems contractually obliged to play every game he possibly can in Musgrave Park, or Virgil Media Park, rather, um, is on the bench as well, which is really exciting. I want to see him get at least 20 minutes of fullback. Um, I think he, as a player, has... There's no ceiling on what he can achieve. I think that from a modern fullback or, or even, even just like a back three player in general. You want guys who have a massive boot first and foremost, which he does. You want guys who have that kind of top level physicality, speed, power, size. He has all that as well. Aerial work. Um, he is really good there. Obviously needs to develop that aspect of his game too. But they don't necessarily all have to be first receivers. And I think that in some cases, it's good for guys to focus on what they can be elite at. He's a strike runner. And with the size of his boot and the, the quality that we know he can play at, the lines he runs, that's going to be very interesting to see how Munster use him and how much time he gets off the bench as well. Rory Scannell, by the way, looked like the best midfielder on the, on the pitch against Harlequins last week. Uh, he seems to be playing really well at the moment. Um, on the on the, the forwards, let's start with the front row. Josh Richerley, Niall Scannell, John Ryan, uh, with Owen Clark, Jeremy Lockman, and Stephen Archer on the bench. Jeremy Lockman coming back from international duty as well. Uh, should stack up well with uh, what Zebra have on the bench on their replacements when we use them. I'm not sure if they'll match up on timing, but I'd expect Lockman to need a big statement performance here as well. Josh Richerley is another fella who I think needs a big, big performance here. Um, he in the last season or so seems to not not stagnated but he seems to have plateaued a small bit and you can tell that just by his usage uh Wichley is a guy who when he broke through first had Irish international written all over him when I'm looking at him lately um I'm just seeing a guy who's not pushing on selection wise and then you ask yourself well why is that are there injuries that are that, like that were played there maybe we don't know um but when I've seen him it just feels that he struggles to impose himself. And at the scrum, he's always been very adaptive there. I, I do go back to that game against uh, South Africa A in Porky Cueve, where he had a fucking world of trouble with Thomas the Toy, um, but stuck in there. And by the end, was not handling him fairly easily, but was locking it out. And I, I want to see a push on in that power aspect of his game. Because um, again, he's, he's alongside... Niall Scannell and John Ryan, which is an incredibly like strong scrummaging, not unit because they're in different units technically, but alongside Niall Scannell, you have every reason to play well as a scrummager, as Alou said, when you're alongside Niall Scannell. He gives you absolutely everything in the scrum. He's an incredibly good scrummaging hooker. Um, he, the binds that he gets on you are very, very strong. He scrummages really high as well. He's comfortable playing at that level. Um, and the power he can get is fantastic and that's something I think that is a really underrated part of what Niall Scannell does and what hookers do in general their, their, their ability as a scrummager and like the, the strength of the binds that he has on his props 
Go back and watch that game against the Scarlets. He was very, very good in that aspect of the game. He carries the ball quite a bit, does Niall Scannell at the moment, but it's not really an issue in this system because we don't need him to bang over the game line every other time. Retain the ball, recycle, go again. He's actually very good at that. Um, and he's got the patented tap and no uh, when he's five metres out. Last week, he drew uh, three Scarlets defenders <laughs> onto his tap and no, which left three guys on the floor afterwards. Can he do it again? Can he draw more defenders this week? <laughs> Tune in to see. Um, in the second row and in our back five in general, a bit of fireworks here. Tom Ahern at four, uh, RG Stamen at five, and uh, Ruan Quinn, Alex Kendallin, and Gavin Coombs round out the back row. Two edge forwards there. Look like Tom Ahern and Ruan Quinn, who will patrol both edges with uh, Snayman, a guy who we're going to be looking for for goal forward physicality. Uh, he was, I think, a little bit unfortunate against uh, Scarlets, where he had a finger injury relatively early, which just kept requiring running repairs. Uh, but for the period he was on the pitch, um, was very physical. I didn't think his breakdown work was necessarily outstanding. But when you are six foot nine and you are one hundred and thirty kg, and you can over, you know, overhead pass over guys heads we're, we're also grown men while being able to offload from pretty much anywhere you are valuable especially when you're running in that spot off 10 um he will demand compressions and that's that like there's no way you stand off rg snayman in that spot and that's and let one guy tackle him like it is impossible um so he will force compressions on his own in that system um the line is going to be really important as well Snayman and Ahern look like our, our two most natural jumpers there. Quinn can do it. Kendallin has added that to his game as of late. It's still a work in progress to see where he is from a level perspective. Gavin Coombs, I think, as well. Will we use him in the lineout or will we be using him off the lineout as a again a guy who will force compressions? Because you do not simply put a one-man tackle in on Gavin Coombs these days. He needs uh two guys to tackle him. Um Alex Kendall, of course, captains the side again. He's been on a really good run as Kendallin. Um, in the last couple of weeks he seems to have pulled together certain aspects of the role that I think maybe eluded him a little bit at the start of the season he's a, he's a little bit better now and I think that you see the way that he his one man cleans the physicality he has in that big six um, he's capable of playing on the edge as well as in you know being, being an edge forward but I think he's uh, I would say he's more comfortable in that three pod off ten where he's got the pace to keep up and to offload and, and the, the, the passing skills to put guys away. But that's where his one man clean and his physicality really comes through. And like, he's able to really get dynamic clean outs on, on, um, you know, midfielders or other edge forwards in those spaces to really speed up that ball. So, um, it'll be interesting to see where he lands in this game, where he plays the majority of his rugby from a pod perspective. Cause I'm doing an article next week, just looking at where everybody in this team was most often to try and get an, a, a look at well what are our who are our big six what are they expected to do what are our edge forwards what are they what are they expected to do and kind of go from there the replacements on the bench Finney Witcherly uh, and Jack O'Sullivan uh, in the back row Jack O'Sullivan has had a really good couple of weeks uh, he played really well against the Crusaders he had some really nice moments against um, against Harlequins as well um he, I'm not sure what his, if he's staying at Munster next season or not, but if a fella is looking to put himself in the shop window, he's done a fantastic job of it in the last while. 
Um, he's in that weird spot where he is kind of a combo flanker, but sort of a small forward as well. Really highly skilled, probably best suited to playing in the edge spaces. So I would expect him maybe to replace Ruan Quinn as the game goes on. Um, but yeah, he's had a really good couple of weeks and it's good to see because I think Jack O'Sullivan all along has had the, cap- the capability to be a, like a proper player, but it's always been injuries that have let him down and that have just caught him at the wrong time when he's building momentum. So hopefully he can continue that uh, momentum he's built here and uh, get another few games under his belt uh, in the next couple of weeks. We're feeling Richardly, by the way, at 19. We have criticized quite a bit at the start of the season, but he is a big physical guy he has added a lot of size this season and he looks all the better for it he had also a really good moment against harlequins where he was uh, i think he put away neil cronin i think for a really nice try he's looking big physical aggressive he's winning collisions on both sides of the ball line out he's lost a little bit of spring in the line out that he had um but finine is an interesting player keep an eye on him in this game keep an eye on what he what he shows you where he plays because he's developing i think he's having another little step up in development as well so that'll be very interesting to see um how he goes here but he is um yeah i've I've liked what i've seen from him in the last few weeks since he's come back from that injury and uh a lot of size and he's definitely looking bigger than what he's listed at the moment Uh, and we like to see that big second rows powerful guys this is why we watch the game so um with that uh, i will get myself ready to travel to Cork, uh, the I'm not sure if there'll be a red eye for this one, just basically because I'm, it's a Friday game and I'm I'm traveling, so we will see. But uh, this podcast should be in your ears by well before eleven o'clock. So I hope you enjoy this game. Uh, I'll be in the stadium for this one, so I'll be doing a live stream before the game and after the game, uh, just to go over what we've seen and, and maybe at halftime as well. So thank you very much for joining me. If you see me at the stadium, say hello, uh, give me a wave, and I will wave back. Thank you very much for being a subscriber. I will talk to you again very, very soon. (laughs) 